Oh, wow. I can't believe this year is at pretty much at an end, and uh, it's been a heck of a year. I imagine for most of us, uh, a lot of disruptions, but here we are at the end of 2022, and I guess a lot of us have hopes in our hearts that 2023 will be uh, a bit more of a normal-ish year, whatever that looks like. Um, but uh, yeah, God has been so faithful, and I was just even reflecting on the fact that we've been able to move into this building and this space this morning. I was about to go hook up the trailer in my mind. I was like, oh, that's right, I don't have to do that. And I was like, oh, thank you, God. And how quickly I'd forgotten how, how that was a lot of work and, and how God's blessed us by being in this space. And like how next Saturday we can actually, you know, bless the community and us as a, a whānau to come and celebrate the night before Christmas. So thank you, God, for all your faithfulness this year. Thank you, God. Well, today I'm just finishing off our Advent series. So we've, we've talked about that uh, God gives us peace. We've talked about that God gives us joy. We've talked about that God gives us hope. And today I'm finishing off, we're talking about that God gives us love. And uh, just before I get into that, I, I just want to say I, I've just been having some lovely family times with our kids. I don't know about you, uh, watching lots of Christmas movies and really special um, you know, wholesome movies that really just stir the spirit. And I've been watching this one in particular with my boys. <laughs> and it is a Christmas movie. <laughs> it's at Christmas time. It's got a lot of joy in it. <laughs> well, I enjoy it. <laughs> yes, I'm just introducing them to that anthology, but I just realized, forgot how much like swearing's in it. I'm like, oh, I need to be like beeping like the whole time. Beep, 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 beep. I'm like, oh. But yes, uh, a lovely, lovely Christmas movie alongside Home Alone 2. <laughs> a classic for the season. All right, why don't, we, um, why don't you stand for the reading of the word, if you don't mind. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 to 12. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So Father, I just, I just thank you for your great love, which we celebrate and we remember today. And Lord, I just pray as we, as we speak about your great love, would it go into our hearts, into our souls, into our spirits at this time of year. In your precious name. Amen. If you just want to take a seat. So this morning, um, I just wanted to go through three little points out of that passage um, from the Apostle John. And the three points are, what does God's love look like? How far is his love willing to go for us? And lastly, how does God's love transform us? Um, but before, before we get into that and unpack those three points, we really need to define that great question. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Yes! It, was, it wasn't the response I wanted, but it, it happened, so that was good. Because in my mind, I was envisioning it. I was like, yes, this is going to happen this morning. This is going to happen. That was great. Thank you, guys. Highlight of the year. You, you, you nailed it. And there's everyone, like I'm thinking about all the teenagers here, just looking at my son. Everyone's like, what the heck? Basically, that was a great song from the late 1900s. 
But what is love? Because in English, I can say, in all seriousness, I love my wife, and I love KFC. I love my kids, and I love cricket. What's the difference? Hopefully, (laughs) if you know me enough, and know that I'm not that shallow, that my love for my wife and my kids is deeper and richer than my love for KFC and cricket, just. (laughs) No. My love for my wife and my kids is much, much deeper than cricket and KFC. This is the problem with English. We only have one word for love in our language, right? And so you have to work out from the context of what I'm speaking about and actually knowing a little bit about my character, hopefully, that that when I talk about I love my wife or my kids, it means so much more than I love KFC or I love cricket or whatever else I've put on the list for the day. This is, this is the issue we have in our, in our language, that it does, it's not as um, robust to actually explain all the different types of versions of love that we actually have. And ancient Greek, which was the New Testament was written in, like many other languages, actually has several ways of describing love. And if you've been around a church for any time period, you've probably heard this word agape. And agape is a word which describes the love God has for us. Agape love is unconcerned with self and concerned with the greatest good of another. Agape isn't born just out of emotions, feelings, familiarity, or attraction, but from the will and as a choice. Agape requires faithfulness, commitment, and sacrifice without expecting anything in return. And as we go through this passage, that first verse talks about this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is really important because it actually shows from the heart of the Trinity of God, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that What happened at Christmas when Jesus came down was not a passive act. It was something of action. There was a positive action from the heart of God to step down and come into humanity. It wasn't because he had to do it. He wanted to do it. It was an act of positive emotion towards humanity, towards his creation, you and I, that we are his masterpiece, his creation, and and this is his world, and he wanted to get right into it to save us. This is from a cover from a book, um, one of my favorite books, I read by a guy called Joshua Ryan Butler, it's called The Pursuing God, and uh, the reason I I really love it, um, one of the reasons is is I really love this um, um, cover to this book, because it's a picture of of, of God diving like into a painting, into the world, like he's, like he's, the, he's this beautiful artist who's created everything, and he's, he's coming into, diving into his creation, and this book actually has um, what I reckon is one of the best subtitles for a book, The Pursuing God, A Reckless, Irrational, Obsessed Love That's Dying to Bring Us Home, and I just, I just love that as I think about what, what God did was when he sent his son it wasn't like, oh, I've got to do this for these guys. No, I'm coming to get you guys. I'm coming to live with you. As Eugene Peterson said, God moved into the neighborhood. He came, became one, like one of us. 
And agape love looks a lot like humility. This is the creator of the universe who made everything, everything. And here he is, becoming a baby in a manger. A king-sized manger for a king, you know? Like, this is, this is the king of the universe, just a helpless infant. And I still remember, my kids have grown up quite a bit now, but I remember when they're first born, and you just hold them in your arms, especially when they're very, very, you know, just fresh kind of thing, and it's like, it's like, wow, like how helpless an infant is, eh? Like they depend on you totally for everything. And to think that God became like that for us blows my mind. What, what kind of God is this that would do that for all of us? And just the humility of it all. He humbled himself. He became a helpless babe. He became Emmanuel, God with us. Not God against us, not God angry with us, but God with us. This is really, really good news. But he didn't just come and live with us. He showed us how to live in his kingdom, to follow him, to live under his rule and reign, and how to apprentice under him. But he also came with a purpose. He also came to die. Verse 10 says, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What this means is that not only God came to live with us, he knew that he needed to break the power of sin and death that was over our life so that we could become part of his family, that we could be reconciled, that we could have eternal life. They're these good things. It said in 2 Corinthians, God was in Christ, in Jesus, reconciling the world to himself. He was absorbing into himself all the sin of the world, breaking it so that we could have this wonderful eternal life. Not one day, but now. We can have this life in us now and live forever in eternity. This is awesome and wonderful news. And uh, as you're reading, you know, especially that first part, you probably, you probably, it's probably make it reminding you of, of that famous verse that pretty much everybody on the planet almost knows, uh, even people who are not Christians, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that those who believe in him would not perish, but will have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave this gift of his son, not only in the birth as a baby, but also to die as a man on the cross for us as well. What a wonderful, incredible God, so that we could come home and be part of his family forever. I love this verse from Romans 5.8, because it really sums up that, that heart of God. But God demonstrates, he shows his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, this is the perennial problem that I see as a pastor, and just as a human, and I, I struggle with this myself because I'm a hypocrite in transition as well, is, is, that, is that we always feel like we've got to get ourselves right. We always feel like we've got to meet some sort of standard to then have relationship and connection with God. And this is a beautiful verse because it's saying, even when you're in your brokenness, even when you are far from God, even if you don't care about God or indifferent or don't even believe in him, in that very moment, Christ is dying for you. 
to bring you home, to bring you into relationship. This is the power of our God. This is the love that he shows to us, this agape love, which is so self uh, other-seeking. It's not selfish, it's selfless. It's like about other all the time. This is the great act of divine love for us. At the cross, we see the ultimate act of divine love. We see God in all his humility, but in all his glory in the same way. The God that would do this for us. This is the good news that we, 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 we celebrate as we, as we in, go towards Christmas because, because Christmas leads to Easter. The manger leads to the cross. Like this is, and the resurrection and eternal life. This is what we are celebrating in this moment as we think about his arrival. And the final points, verse 11 says, Dear friends, since God has so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I think if, if you've ever experienced this in life, it, it, it's really hard to love people. <laughs> that, um, people are complex, they're challenging, um, they do all sorts of things that really can frustrate you and your personality. Uh, you, may have found, you may have come across this in your workplace or you know, neighbours or anything like this. No, I'm the only one. <laughs> like, people are challenging. You know, we've got our own brokenness, our own ways of doing life. And to love people, to love, like Jesus commands us, to love our enemies, to pray for our enemies, to pray for those who actually don't do good towards us, that's really, really hard, eh? And it's really hard for, for humans to do that. And that's why we need the great love of the Father. In 1 John 3, um, the Apostle John says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us. What a great verse for Christmas. Like, spoilt us just spoiled us this Christmas, that we should be called children of God, and I love this bit, and that is what we are. Amen? We are children of God. That is our identity. And this is the first part. If you want to become a person of love, if we want to be a people of love as a church, we have to get that deep, deep into our hearts, into our souls, into our minds into our muscle memory, that we are children of God. That is our identity. In, in um, this wonderful, I encourage you to read First John. It's, it's, it's not, it doesn't actually take that long to read, but it's just soaked with love. The Apostle John is, is known as the Apostle of Love. And he, he just, he, right throughout this, he often says this thing like, beloved, beloved, when he's talking about the church in Ephesus that he's writing to. And it, what a beautiful way to talk about his fellow church people, members and congregants. He's like, beloved, like this is your identity. You are beloved of God. This is who you are. You are children of God. He's reminding them because we struggle to remember our identity in Christ, right? And, and I feel like that has always got to be our starting point, that we are loved, that we are saved, that we are adopted into his family, that we are his children, I, um, 
recently I, I've been doing this uh, sort of discipleship thing with my son, Johnny, and uh, it's from this book called The Intentional Father by John Tyson. And he gets you to do this exercise where he, he gets you to, to um, write like a letter to your father, your actual you know, physical father, sort of you know, earthly father. And then he says, you know, he wants you to basically read this out to, to your father and actually say, you know, what did you get right? You know, like, and I know that would be very challenging for many of us with our dads. Um, but I was very um, blessed to have a good father. And I, I sat there and uh, read this out without trying to cry. <laughs> uh, the old Kiwi macho thing. And the thing I, I identified in my father that he did for me was something um, just incredible for m- my identity. Because he was um, brought up by his father, who was of a generation where people never told them their children that they loved them. Now, there would have been some exceptions, but by and large, most people, especially fathers, wouldn't tell their sons that they loved them. They wouldn't tell them that they're proud of them. They might show with their actions, but they wouldn't say those words. It was sort of part of that kind of stiff upper lip kind of culture that we've inherited. That's part, you know, slowly getting dismantled, which is great. Uh, and what my dad did was that he broke ground for me. So what he did was that I knew from an early age that my father said that he loved me, that he was proud of me. Oh, that one always gets me. Eh? Like, you know, when they say you love you, but then, then your dad says he's proud of you. It's like, oh, oh. That's the good stuff, yeah. I'm words of affirmation, that's my love language, but it's like, it's like, oh yeah, so they, can I put that on recorder? <laughs> Just when I'm having a bad day, oh, dad's proud of me, yeah. <laughs> um, so I said that to him, I said, you, you actually took the ball further down the field so that I knew, I had an identity that I was his son, that I was loved. And that's, that, you know, that has sh- shaped and formed my life that I can now pass that on to my children you know, that they are loved, that I'm proud of them, that I'm there for them. But I, I am so aware that our earthly fathers have not often done that. And I even I'm just aware in this room, there'll be, you might have even had a father that did the very opposite, said the very opposite things to you. And that has been not a blessing over your life, that's been like a curse. And it's, uh, it's done something deep in your heart. And I, I just really feel from the Holy Spirit this morning, we're going to finish with something where I'm just going to pray over you, but I just feel like the Father's heart for you this morning is so deep. Like, I know it's so cliche, we hear it in church all the time, God loves you, but man, He really does. And you do not have to meet some sort of standard. He is so proud of you. He loves you. It says in Scripture that He sings over you. He rejoices over you. You're His children. He loves you so much. Just as I finish, 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. Not only does God's love give us an identity so that we know we're children of God, we're sons and daughters of God, but he also gives us the power to do it. That's what the Holy Spirit is called, the paraclete. He's called the helper because he really, we need his help to do this stuff. And so he gives us the power to be able to love people. Because like I said earlier, it's hard to love people who are difficult. But the Holy Spirit gives us the power to turn the other cheek and to pray for our enemies and to do good to those who do bad to us and to love people. That sacrificial love like the Father has done for us. And then that flows out of us. And and in many ways, it's like a very simple analogy, but it really is 
we need to receive before we give out. It's like take breathing, like taking in the Father's love. Let him transform your heart, make you more like Jesus, and then you will, you will naturally go and do these things. Because um, these things sometimes can feel like a duty, but when you have the Father's love in you, in that deep formational way, and, and it takes, you know, like Rachel Hunter said, it doesn't happen overnight, but it will happen, you know, <laughs> you will start to become more of a person of love the more you do it. And I'd encourage you to keep stepping out, even if you fail, keep stepping out, keep trying, and let the Holy Spirit shape and form you to become more like Jesus. Um, that's probably one of the hardest things, uh, you know, how do you gauge the fruit of the Spirit? How do you see a growth in someone's Christian life? And it, it is very hard to see, and it, I guess really mostly it just comes from other people's testimony. But um, I, I found this verse, as I finish here in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 8, very helpful for me to kind of gauge where I'm at, becoming a person of love. And so what I do with this passage here, which is this great passage that they always bring out at weddings and things like that, is instead of the word love, I actually just put my own name in there. And you might want to do that this morning. Just put your own name in there. So Nick is patient. Nick is kind. Yeah, sort of. He does not envy. He does not boast, sometimes. He's not proud. He does not dishonor others. He's not self-seeking. He does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. You know, just picture yourself in there, and then actually think, you know, am I, am I living that out in my life? Is that the natural outflow of who I am? And it's, I, I find it's just a great, and this is not a condemnation exercise, this is actually just an exhortation to be like, this is the people of love that we want to become. But we do it through our identity in Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit, not through striving. So we allow him to be, make us into these sort of people. And then that just sort of outworks, you know, in, in our, our homes and our neighborhoods and communities. Like, you know, today we're doing an act of love to the community. Like that just warms my heart that we're taking those um, gift out, uh, bags and we're just taking those out to people and it's a gift. They don't have to do anything in return. We're just blessing them with the love of God. And if some of them turn up next Saturday, well, that's wonderful. That's all part of God's plan. But if they don't, that's okay too. Like we just want to bless them and show the love of God to them at Christmas time. So this is, this is the power of, of love in our lives. All right, I'm going to finish there, but if you want to just stand, as we finish, I'd just love to read. Is that a Romans over you? You might just want to close your eyes and maybe even put your hands out as an act of receiving. I know we, um, yeah, I know it says in Acts, it's better to give than to receive. Um, but something that's really interesting there when you think about it was Jesus was talking to the disciples about going out and doing mission and to, you know, to give to others. They had actually had three years of receiving, three years in a school of love where they had been filled up to overflowing with that personal intimacy with Jesus. And now they were going out on mission to become people of love, the hands and feet of Jesus. And so I guess I just want to encourage you this morning that to receive, to receive of God's love as I read these words out over you. And as I said during my message, if your earthly father or even your mother had not 
given you that affirmation, that sense of identity, that support in your life. Receive the Father's love. Receive the Father's affirmation, His love over you this time of year. Because He loves and cares for you deeply. So as I read this, just receive it. It's just from Romans 8. Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.